Jesus does weird things. All you have to do is read the Gospels and you will find him doing weird things. You'll find him doing very weird things. For instance, in John 9, he makes pottery to heal a man. The disciples ask Jesus in John 9 why a man is born blind, and Jesus answers that it's all to display God's glory. So Jesus spits in the ground, makes some mud pies, and then rubs said mud pies into the blind man's eyes, and then tells him to go wash his eyes out in a fountain, and he'll be healed. And the man is healed. The man was born blind for God's glory, and Jesus heals him in a weird way for God's glory. He spits in the dirt, makes a mud pie, and smears it into the man's eyes for God's glory. That's weird. And we'll see in Mark chapter 8 in a few weeks that Jesus heals a blind man by spitting in his eyes. But Jesus will only partially heal the man, and then he'll stop and ask him a question, and then he will heal him completely. That's weird. And then one time when it was tax season and Jesus didn't have any money in his bank account, he told Peter to go fishing, and at the first fish that he caught, he would find a coin in its mouth, and that Peter could use that coin to pay for both Peter's and Jesus' taxes. Jesus does weird things. Jesus is okay with the weird, the strange, the odd. That's just how Jesus rolls. He does weird things. And that's what we'll see in Mark chapter 7 today. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 7 if you haven't. Jesus will do a few weird things at the end of Mark chapter 7. We're continuing our series, Binge Watching Jesus. And what we'll see today in Mark's gospel is what a bunch of flabbergasted Gentiles say about Jesus. And it's this, Jesus does all things well. And that means that whatever is happening in your life right now, whatever will be happening in your life six months from now or six years from now, Jesus is doing things in your life and they are good. They may be weird. Jesus might be doing weird things in your life right now, strange things that perplex you. You may not understand what he is up to. You may not understand what is happening. But whatever Jesus is doing in your life, it's good, even if it is weird. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 24, hear the word of the Lord. And from there, he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. So now at this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus is intentionally going more and more to Gentile places. Mark tells us that Jesus heads north to the region of Tyre and Sidon for some R&R. You can see where this region is on the map. Jesus goes to the region of Tyre and Sidon 
to get away. So he books a little R and B in order to get a little R and R, but word starts spreading, spreading that Jesus is there and he gets interrupted. So, so much for finishing that book you wanted to read, Jesus, because you're about to be interrupted. But here's what I love about Jesus. Not only does he get interrupted on his vacay, his vacation, he gets interrupted by a woman, and not just a woman, a Gentile woman. In Jesus' day, women were looked down upon. They were often just viewed as property. No rabbi or Pharisee would allow an interruption like this by a woman, especially an unclean, despised Gentile woman. Now remember, the Jews and the Gentiles did not get along with one another. Jews hated Gentiles. They despised them, which is why people are outraged that Jesus interacts with Gentiles in his ministry. There were major racial tensions that existed between the Jews and anybody else who was not Jewish, which was everybody else. So they had a problem with everyone. And that explains in some part Jesus' reaction to this woman. He's responding in a way that was culturally acceptable, but the difference with Jesus is that he has mercy on this Gentile woman. He does not enter into conversation with her at first, but he will eventually. So this woman approaches Jesus immediately, Mark says in verse 25. So no sooner does Jesus put his bags down in his room, she barges in, falls at his feet right next to his bags, and she begs for help. She barges in and begs for help right next to Jesus' bags because she has a serious problem. Her little girl is possessed by a demon. In Matthew's gospel, the woman is pestering Jesus and crying out for mercy. Matthew tells us in chapter 15, And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged Jesus, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. So this woman is just begging and begging Jesus. And he does not say a word. He just stands there. Hotel key still in hand. And he's silent. And Matthew tells us that her begging begins to bother the disciples. So they start begging Jesus to answer the woman and to tell her to quit begging. So we have this Gentile woman down on the ground at Jesus' feet, and she keeps begging Jesus, have mercy, help me, have mercy, help me. Meanwhile, the disciples are begging Jesus to send her away. She's bothering us. Send her away. Send her away. This is what Jesus is enduring as he starts his weekend getaway. Have mercy. Send her away. Help me. Shut her up. So we have Jesus recently checked into an Airbnb for a little R&R, and no sooner does he set his bags down, he has a Gentile woman fall at his feet and begin begging him for mercy, and she won't stop this, so this irritates the disciples, and then they start begging Jesus to shut her up. So everyone's begging Jesus for something all at once. Everyone is begging Jesus for something all at once, 
and he just wants to finish the novel that he started last week. Welcome to parenting. If you don't have kids yet, here you go. This is what parenting is like. Many voices begging for many things all at once, and all you want to do is escape to an Airbnb for a little R&R and read a book. But Jesus finally answers her, and what he says may surprise you. But it certainly didn't surprise the disciples. In fact, they were probably pretty happy about what Jesus says to her in verse 27. He says, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. When Jesus says this, he is calling her a dog. That's what the Jews called Gentiles, dogs. Not what we would expect Jesus to say to a suffering woman, a distraught mother. Jesus appears to lack some bedside manner here. And I'm sure that when Jesus called this woman a dog, the disciples were pleased. After all, they had been begging Jesus to shut her up. So I can just Peter saying to the woman, Ooh, he called you a dog. What a burn. Woman, you're a dog. Boom, roasted. But stay with Jesus. He's not finished with the woman. What does Jesus mean when he says, let the little children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? Jesus was telling the woman that it was not right to feed and minister to Gentiles, to, ju- to dogs. He came to feed and shepherd the lost, wayward sheep of Israel. When Jesus says this, he points out and acknowledges the cultural walls that existed between Jews and Gentiles. But the woman is relentless. She's got an ace up her sleeve. She replies to Jesus and says, yes. Children should be fed first before dogs are fed. But even the dog is smart enough to know that if he sits under the table long enough, when kids are eating, some crumbs will fall to the ground and he will be fed. In other words, the woman was saying to Jesus, I ain't going anywhere. I know who you are. You are the Lord, the son of David. I've heard stories about you from the Old Testament And I've read the tired times in the Sidon Gazette. I've heard all about the miracles that you do. And my life is a mess. It is is a dog's breakfast. My daughter has a demon living inside of her. And I ain't going anywhere until you have mercy on me and answer my prayer. I'll wait like a dog under this table until one of your crumbs falls to the ground and my baby girl is healed. But there's something else happening here that the English Bible translators unfortunately don't pick up on. It's true, the Jews would refer to Gentiles as dogs, and dogs back then were not considered man's best friend. They were not domestic pets that you kept. They were scavengers. They were filthy, dirty, and they roamed everywhere. But the word that Jesus uses here is not the normal word for dog. Jesus uses the word for puppy. When Jesus calls her a dog, he actually calls her a puppy. And who doesn't love a cute puppy? Yes, puppies would grow up and become filthy dogs that roamed the streets of Israel. But if you found a puppy back then, regardless of what it would eventually become one day, it was still a cute puppy. 
Listen, if you don't like dogs, I get it. But if you don't like puppies, then there's something wrong with you. (laughs) Who doesn't love a cute puppy? Weirdos, that's who. And Jesus, instead of using a very culturally appropriate and culturally acceptable word for Gentiles, the dog, instead of using that, he uses a softer term. He calls her a cute little puppy. In this way, Jesus can still make his point that he came for the lost sheep of Israel and not Gentiles and still show her respect and love and not demean her as a person. I love this about Jesus. He's gentle with this Gentile. He's kind and merciful. Yes, she is an unclean Gentile, despised by Jews, but Jesus softens the cultural blow by calling her a puppy. And yes, Jesus did come for Gentiles too, but at this point in his ministry... That aspect of his ministry is still unfolding and it's not fully realized by others as we'll see in in Mark chapter 8. Here's what I love about Jesus. He does weird things. He lets this woman keep begging him for mercy. And at first he doesn't say a word. He lets her keep begging for mercy like a a broken record, a skipping record, or like the R&B song by Bill Withers, you know, where he repeats in the song, ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. This house just ain't a home anytime she goes away. And I know, 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 I know. I could keep going, but I'm going to get out of breath. I know, I know, I know, I know. Hey. She's just like Bill Withers in that song. She just keeps begging for mercy. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Jesus could have told her, just get up and leave because you're a woman and you're a Gentile. But he doesn't do that. Jesus will defy cultural norms in order to show the value and dignity of human life. And instead of calling her a filthy, unclean dog, he calls her a puppy. And it doesn't matter that women were looked down upon and only viewed as property. Jesus actually listens to her. And Jesus doesn't care that she's a Gentile and has no business being in his Airbnb. He listens to her and he's patient. Jesus allows this woman to express her pain through her personality. He allows her to express all the pain that she's experiencing in her life, but he's letting her express that pain through who she is, how God created her, her own personality. And because Jesus waits and lets her ramble on and on, he discovers that she, in fact, does have a feisty personality. Of course, Jesus already knows this about her, but he allows her to express her prayer through her feisty personality. She very creatively and winsomely and with great insight takes Jesus' dog statement and turns it around and uses it to express her need to Jesus. You call me a dog? Okay. Well, dogs are smart, They know that when there's a kid at the dinner table that it's just a matter of time before something falls to the ground. So they just wait ever so patiently. And that's what I'm going to do. Yes, I'm a dog, but I'm smart, Jesus. 
and I'm just going to sit here until one of your crumbs falls to the floor. And this pleases Jesus. He's not humiliated by her comeback. He's not offended by her comeback. In fact, he sees her reaction not as coming from a snarky puppy, but from a woman of great faith. Jesus takes her winsome comeback as a statement of faith and trust and then tells her that she can return home where she will, in fact, find that Jesus has already driven the demon out of her baby girl. Jesus delayed in shutting her up, much to the dismay of the disciples, and this delay allowed a relationship to blossom between Jesus and the woman. He got to know her more as a feisty, creative woman, and she got to learn that Jesus was, in fact, merciful because he did answer her prayer for mercy. Commenting on what happened in this Airbnb between Jesus and this woman, Paul Miller says, If Jesus were a magic prayer machine, he'd have healed this woman's daughter instantly, and we would not have discovered her feisty creative spirit. Likewise, Jesus' ambiguity with us creates the space not only for him to emerge, but us as well. If the miracle comes too quickly, there's no room for discovery, for relationship. With both this woman and us, Jesus is engaged in a divine romance, wooing us to himself. The waiting that is the essence of faith provides the context for relationship. Faith and relationship are interwoven in dance. Everyone talks about how prayer is relationship, but often what people mean is having warm fuzzies with God. Nothing wrong with warm fuzzies, but relationships are far richer and more complex. When you persist in a spiritual vacuum, when you hang in there during ambiguity, you get to know God. In fact, that is how intimacy grows in all close relationships. This feisty Gentile woman is teaching us that what we hate and what we fear delays, ambiguity, silence, waiting, Those are actually the ways we get to know God and build a relationship with him. The things that we hate, the delays, God doesn't answer right away, ambiguity, not knowing what's going on, silence, is he even listening, I don't know what he's saying to me, waiting and waiting. The things that we hate are actually the ways that we get to know God and build a relationship with him. We hate delays, right? We want Jesus to answer our prayers yesterday. We hate ambiguity, don't we? We want to be able to discern and know what God is up to in our lives. And we hate waiting. Oh, how we hate waiting on God. And we hate silence when it seems like God is quiet and not answering our prayers. But this is where we get to know Jesus more. In those times when it seems like God is not listening, not answering, not doing anything on our behalf, that's when we can grow in our relationship with Jesus. This is where, this is the context of how we get to know Jesus more. Waiting, delays, ambiguity, silence. The disciples thought that they were just getting away with Jesus for a weekend getaway, but they didn't know that Jesus was thinking about you and me when he booked the place. 
Jesus checked into an Airbnb for a little R&R. No sooner does he set his bags down, he has a Gentile woman fall at his feet and begin begging for mercy like a Bill Withers R&B song. And Jesus purposely doesn't answer, and she won't stop begging him. So this irritates the disciples, and they start begging Jesus to shut her up. And Jesus allowed all of this to happen just so that he could teach you and me about prayer. Jesus just stands there and doesn't say a word while all these people clamor for his response. It's so weird. Silence. No immediate response. Just a bunch of angry men and a chatty Kathy talking over one another, and Jesus is just standing there still holding his hotel key. Jesus shut up and didn't say a word so that this woman's personality would be expressed in prayer so that he could teach the disciples and teach you and me that his delays in our lives, his seeming silence from our perspective, the ambiguity that he allows, that all of that would cause us to fall at his feet and pour our hearts out to him and in the process get to know him more. Is God not answering your prayers? He wants you to use this time in prayer to get to know him more. Does it seem like God is silent and not responding to you? He wants you to use this time in prayer to get to know him more. Are you wondering why what is happening is happening in your life? He wants you to use this time in prayer to get to know him more. So instead of spending all your time wondering, start worshiping. Instead of spending all your time wondering what God is going to do, start worshiping what you know about God that is true. When you don't know what God is up to in your life, talk about what you do know about him. Say, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know he's good. And I know, I know, I know, I know he's faithful. And I know, I know, I know, I know he's sovereign. And I know, I know, I know, I know he's coming again to make all things new. And I know, I know, I know his grace is sufficient and his grace is enough. When there ain't no sunshine in your life, talk about what you know about God. And talk to God about what you know. This woman says, I know you. You're the Lord, the son of David. And this is what I need you to do for me. And just pray. Jesus can handle your personality when you pray. Just pour your heart out. Be you. Tell him what you want in your own voice. Just pour your heart out. Jesus loves desperate people who pour their hearts out to him even if they're a little feisty. That's faith. Sometimes faith looks like unloading all of your hurts, all of your frustrations, all of your pain, and all of your cares out on Jesus even if you're a little feisty in the process. Jesus can handle your feisty. He made Saturn. He can handle your feisty. Can you sit under the table and wait for a crumb? Can you sit under the table while you wait for some crumb to fall and you just get to know your Lord more and more? And when you get to know your Lord more and more after a season of delays and waiting and ambiguity and silence, you'll be able to look back one day and say, Jesus does all things well. One day you will look back and see what you did not understand then 
makes a lot of sense now. One day, either in this life or in the next, you will look back and say, Jesus was doing some very weird things in my life. And I didn't understand it. But even when he does weird things, he does them well. Until then, there may be days and nights of confusion, silence, ambiguity, and delays, and a whole lot of desperation. But desperation can be good. Desperation is how you get to know Jesus a little more because desperation can make you bold, and Jesus likes that. Desperation is a good thing because desperation is how you get to know Jesus a little more and more, and desperation makes you bold, and Jesus loves that. This Syrophoenician woman was desperate. Her baby girl had a demon living inside of her. Ain't no sunshine since this woman's daughter has been gone. Only darkness every day. Her house just ain't a home because there's a demon living inside her daughter. Let that sink in. A demon inside her baby girl, inside her home. You think it was fun getting the kids ready for school in that house? You think it's hard getting your teenager out of bed for school without drama? Try getting a teenager out of bed for school without any drama when said teenager is possessed by a demon. It's time to get up. No, it's not. Okay. (laughs) Sleep in. You don't have to go to school today. You want pancakes for breakfast? You're getting pancakes. I think she probably homeschooled her daughter. You can't send a demon-possessed kid to school. If they don't want your kid at school when they have a fever, they certainly don't want your kid showing up at school with, with a demon living inside of them. She had a demon inside of her. To say that the mother was desperate would be an understatement. She is absolutely desperate. She knows it, and that makes her bold. So she interrupts Jesus' weekend getaway and tells him that she ain't leaving until he answers her. That's bold, and Jesus likes that. Jesus will take a desperate person any day over a self-sufficient person. Jesus can work with that, with desperation. Jesus loves desperate people. And Jesus loves it when desperate people hit rock bottom and barge into his presence with bold faith, even if they're a little feisty. It seems like I heard a preacher say that once, that we can barge into God's presence. I did. It was the preacher of Hebrews. Allow me to give the preacher of Hebrews the pulpit for a moment. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Confidence to draw near because of Jesus, our high priest. Mercy and grace in time of need, all the time. Another preacher said something similar about prayer, so I might as well give him the pulpit for a moment too. You know us preachers, we got to stick together. So here's what Jonathan Edwards said about prayer. God allows us free access to his presence so that we may come with boldness. He indulges all kinds of persons of all nations, the most vile and unworthy. The greatest sinners are allowed to come through Christ. 
Beyond that, he not only allows, but encourages and frequently invites them. Yea, manifests himself as delighting in being sought to by prayer. Such a prayer hearing God is the most high, that he graciously manifests himself as conquered by it. Edwards is saying that God delights, God takes pleasure to hear and listen to our prayers and answer. He delights to hear and answer our prayers. And to put it in human language, it's as if, Edwards is saying, it's as if God lets us conquer him through our prayers. Is that how you view God? Is that how you view prayer? That God has sent you an invitation especially when you're desperate, and that invitation said, come, conquer me through your prayers. That kind of makes you want to pray, doesn't it? And that's what Jesus is doing with the Syrophoenician woman here in Mark 7. It's as if Jesus is saying to her and to us, come persuade me. Pour your heart out. Conquer me with your prayers. I'm listening. Understand this grace, sometimes Jesus will take us to places where we feel like we are at the end of our rope. Jesus often lets us sink to the bottom. Why? Because that's where God lives, at the bottom. When you reach the end of your rope, he's there. When you reach your wit's end, he's there. The bottom is where you'll find Jesus. This is where Jesus' office is. You can meet with Jesus, yes, but to get an appointment, you have to hit rock bottom. You have to be at the end of your rope. That's when Jesus gets to work. He can work with that. That's all he works with. People who are at the end of their rope, people who have hit rock bottom, people who are desperate, people who won't survive unless Jesus and Jesus alone intervenes. And from our perspective, let's be honest, it's scary Nobody wants to hit rock bottom. Nobody wants to be desperate. But Jesus can't work with self-sufficient people. Jesus isn't looking for self-sufficient people. He only takes cases of people who are flat broke, can't pay, and have absolutely nothing to offer. And when you barge into Jesus' office this way, he says, okay, I can work with this. I can work with this. Now... I can get to work. And that's this Gentile woman here. She's at the bottom of the barrel. She's at the bottom of her pack of cigarettes, at the bottom of her credit line, at the bottom of her purse. She has nothing but pure, unadulterated desperation and need. And Jesus has nothing but pure, unadulterated mercy and grace for her. Jesus is extraordinarily merciful and compassionate for the needy, the down and out, the destitute. They are his favorite kind of people. And if you're here today and you feel like there's no hope and you are so desperate that you are about to lose your mind, about to lose your marbles, and you've already lost your appetite because of all the stress you're under, Jesus says, come here, let's talk. Tell me what's on your mind. You're my favorite kind of people. What's going on in that little heart of yours? Actually, Jesus takes you by the hand. He sits down with you and with the most tender eyes and the most compassionate tone in his voice, he says, come here, let's talk. Tell me what's on your mind. You're my favorite kind of people. 
what's going on in that little heart of yours? If you've never imagined Jesus that way, that's who he is. I don't know who or how someone has painted a picture of Jesus for you, but if it doesn't look like that, you've been lied to. And if you don't think Jesus is like that, wait until you hear what a bunch of Gentiles tell us about Jesus in the next paragraph. Look at verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephetah, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So Jesus leaves the region of Tyre and Sidon in the far north and heads down to another Gentile area called the Decapolis, which was this region that consisted of ten cities. The Decapolis was a loose term for this Gentile region. It was where prime real estate for Greek and pagan activities. No upstanding Jewish rabbi would ever take his disciples there. And yet Jesus takes his disciples and returns to this place once again. The last time that Jesus was here with the disciples was in Mark 5 when Jesus cast out over 5,000 demons out of that crazy man in a cemetery at night. And then those demons went and inhabited 2,000 pigs and then promptly ran said pigs off a cliff and they drowned. So no surprise that when they return to this area, they bring a deaf man to Jesus for healing because they've heard about him. Now, before we get to the deaf man, understand that these two stories of Jesus healing Gentiles is part of a bigger story that we'll see in Mark chapter 8. Jesus has purposely taken his disciples into the far north Gentile territory to heal a woman's daughter and then purposely taken the disciples back here to the Decapolis to heal this deaf man. More on why he's doing that in chapter 8. So Jesus takes this man away from the crowd because Jesus is not interested in becoming the next celebrity pastor. Jesus is not interested in doing miracles out in the open for all of the oohs and the ahs. Jesus doesn't want oohs and ahs. Jesus doesn't do ministry to get praise from people. Jesus isn't ministering to people to hear them say, thank you so much, we love you. That was so awesome. He's not interested in doing it for those reasons. Sadly, we do that. Jesus doesn't want oohs and ahs. He wants people to reply with awe, to be in awe of God and worship. And Jesus does another weird thing again here. He puts his fingers in a deaf man's ear, then he spits on the ground, and then he touches the man's tongue. That's the weird method that he uses this time around to heal this man. It's weird stuff, man. Jesus does weird things. But why? Why the fingers in the ear? Why the spitting? Why the touching his tongue? I don't know. Jesus just does weird stuff in the Gospels, and I just accept it. If I had to venture a guess, it would be that Jesus wanted this man to know what he was about to do because this man was deaf. Jesus couldn't tell the man what he was about to do. So maybe the ear poke thing was his way of letting the man know what he was up to. And then Jesus spits on the ground and touches the man's tongue. And I have no idea why. It's just... Jesus being weird, and I'm okay with that. 
If Jesus wants to stick his finger in a guy's ear and spit and then touch the guy's tongue, I'm okay with that. However, if you do that with me, I will not be happy. But Jesus, he can do all the weird things he ever wants to do, and I'm okay with it because Jesus does all things well, even when they're weird. And that's exactly what the crowd says when they learn that Jesus healed this deaf and mute man in such a weird manner. He has done all things well. Those six words can help you when you encounter times of ambiguity, in times of silence, in times of delay, in times of waiting. Because you know that whenever Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, decides to answer and decides to intervene in whatever way that he does, you will be able to look back over your life one day and say, he has done all things well. Jesus might be doing weird things in your life right now that you don't understand. Maybe he's sticking his finger in your ears. Maybe he's spitting. Maybe he's touching your tongue. Jesus does do weird things. He still does. Jesus often does and works in ways that we simply do not understand. Whatever Jesus is doing in your life right now, one day, either in this life or in the next, you will be able to look back and say, he has done all things well. They were a little weird, but they were done well. Maybe you have no idea what God is doing in your life right now, but you can, by faith, say that one day you will look back and say, he has done all things well. So are you wondering why God is doing what he is doing in your life right now? That's okay. Wonder. Think about it. Be curious. Jesus does weird things. Scratch your head. Pray about it. Pour your heart out. Be feisty. Be you. But worship by preaching the gospel to your heart and tell yourself, one day I will look back and give glory to Jesus when this is all over and I will say he has done all things well. You will look back one day, Christian, and say Jesus does weird things well. And one thing that Mark tells us about Jesus shows us just how compassionate he is while he's doing this weird thing. In verse 34, Mark says, And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephetah, that is, be open. Jesus sighed, and when he did this, he was identifying with this man and identifying with us in how sin has wrecked humanity. Jesus is entering into the pain and the suffering that this man has experienced his whole life. The idea of this word that Jesus moaned, that's the idea that Jesus entered into this pain and now he is emotionally connected with this man. Just like he was emotionally connected with the Syrophoenician woman. And that's how Jesus is with us in our suffering, in our pain. He enters into it. He's not immune to our suffering. He's not immune to our hurt, our trauma, our abuse. He comes and touches us. He comes to heal He feels the pain. He feels our pain. He feels our heartache. That's why he came, to be the man of sorrows. And he showed his love for us by dying in our place on the cross. He showed his great love for us by dying in our place on the cross. That's weird. That's strange. God died for sinners. 
in their place. You can't get any weirder than a holy God dying for sinners. And when Jesus moaned on the cross, he opened up heaven for people like us. As Mark says later in his gospel in chapter 15, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. You can't get any weirder than God dying for sinners. It's a miracle. We would never come up with this idea. The question is, how will you respond to this weird but very good news that Jesus lived and died for sinners like you and me? Can you look back at the cross and say that Jesus does all things well? Can you look back at the cross and say, truly this man was the Son of God. Truly Jesus did all things well on the cross. If you can, then welcome to the family of God. You have a seat at the table. You don't have to be under the table anymore. You can sit at the table. And one day, when Jesus takes you by the hand and you look back over your life with him, you will be able to look him in the eyes and say, you did do all things well, Jesus. Sometimes I didn't understand, but now I do. Sometimes what you did was just plain weird, but you did all things well. You did all weird things well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the miracle of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, ascension, and soon return. We could never dream this up. We would never come up with this, Father. It's because of your great love that you had for us, for your elect people in eternity past. This was your plan. And Father, there are times we do not understand what you are doing, and we get fidgety, and we become like children and we whine and we wonder, would you let Mark's words here in his gospel comfort our hearts in those moments that we remind ourselves that even though you're doing weird things, you do them well. And I pray that we would worship you in the times of waiting. I pray that we would speak about what we know about you that is true and not focus on what we don't know what's going on or what's going to happen, but we would focus on what we absolutely know is true about you from your word. And we pray that by your spirit you would give us peace and rest. In Jesus' name, amen.